Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. This morning we carry on in our series on knowing God. And this morning the topic is about love. Love. After so many years of... uh, being humans on this earth, we are still so unclear about love. It's something that we're not too sure about because love is such a powerful force and we hardly know uh, to adequately describe it. I grew up uh, and on my bed there was a big continental pillow and it said, love is that funny feeling when your eyes meet. That funny feeling when your eyes meet. Wow. It's the most written about topic of all time. I googled the internet and I typed in love. There were over 11.8 billion hits, articles on the word love. 11.8 billion. Also googled uh, the word hate, over a billion on the word hate. We know that when we say, I love you, it's so powerful. And we know that Hathaway brought out a song in 1992, and I respect you too much to sing it, (laughs) but it's got to do with what is love? Baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. We know that love can bring so much pleasure, but it can also be extremely hateful. It has the power to liberate us and set us free, but it also has power to bind us and hurt us. We know through love we can really express ourselves. And in a world where love is such a powerful force and in such great demand, why do we still struggle with the concept of love? We often ask ourselves, how can we love more? <coughs> when people hate and harm one another, it hits the newspapers and the television news bulletin. But when people do something really good, seldom does it hit the newspapers or the television news. Well, how can we let love show through in our lives? Let's read uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. John writes to people who are what we call Gnostics. Gnostics coming from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And so these Gnostics at the end of the first century thought that, well, the more I know about God, the more religious I am. And John writes to them and he says, it's not about just knowing about God, but it's about knowing Him intimately. And he uses words to know and to love 35 times. In other words, what he's saying is if you say that you know God, it's evidenced in how you demonstrate that love to those who come into contact with. And so he writes in verse 11 of 1 John 3, he says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. 
Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. He writes and he says to us that, that this love that is, uh, uh, is a choice. It's a choice that you and I have. It's a choice that when it comes to uh, knowing God, then we respond in a very wise way. And we have a choice in the matter. Friends, to choose to hate is also a choice. And so if I were to ask you what is the opposite of love, some might say hate. If I were to ask you what is the opposite of hate, you might say love. Well, actually it's not. The opposite of love is apathy. The opposite of hate is apathy. It's this attitude of <coughs> Greek word. <laughs> because when you love, there is passion, pathos. But you put a little A in front of it, apathos, apathy. It's just an attitude of <coughs> Because you know what? I don't care. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. But from the scriptural perspective, love is actually a choice. Hate is a choice. We learn these things. I grew up in apartheid South Africa and I learned to hate people of the opposite color. And then I, when I came to my own senses, as it were, I realized, wow, we bleed the same blood. And so it's a learned behavior. I had to change the way I thought. And boy, it's difficult to change. But by the grace of God, we have that ability to change. And so, while love is a choice, there's more to it than just simply choosing. We need the power to be able to love another person. The power to be able to love that, what I call VDP, that very draining person. <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> the, 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 the power to be able to love those who are unlovable and unlovely. Those who are not like us. Folks, thank God it comes from God Himself. You say, well, you know, that's not easy. Well, the Bible is either right or it's wrong. And it says that God is love. Not God has love, but God is love. And then as you and I are a reflection of His image, because we are created in His image, we should reflect who He is. And so... John writes and he says, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. It's a command that has been around since the beginning of time. We often think, well, in the New Testament, Jesus said that we're to love one another. It's been there since the very beginning. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, we read, Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one another or against your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so the whole concept in the Old Testament is love your neighbor as yourself. 
And that's kind of not to do harm to them. Well, there's a change of concept with Jesus in the New Testament. We read about it in Deuteronomy 23.5 in the Old Testament again. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Folk, I can't fathom this. How the Lord our God loves me. That he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he loves us more than any person in this whole universe. Jeremiah 31 3, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Wow. Hosea 11 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Malachi 1 2, I've loved you, says the Lord. So there is no doubt that God is a God of love. But in the New Testament, we have this new understanding. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus actually says, by this will all people around know that we're Christians. Why? By our love. By our love. In verse 14, John says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. I want to suggest to you, the more you love God, the more you love people. No, that means that. <laughs> the more you love God, the more you love people. Amen. One more. No. <laughs> we'll call up from Tom William Singer. Verse 13. Don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. The word hate them is sell. It actually means to cut that person in half. Don't be surprised if they love us less, if they cut us in half. Why? Because we might be weirdos, because we are lovers of Jesus. And he gives us the example of Cain, who belonged to the evil one. He was connected to the evil one because of his heart condition. He was the one who was actually hurtful. He was vicious. He was uh, obsessed with the evil one. He was diseased, as it were. So, while the world may hate us, we are to reflect who Jesus is. Secondly, this love that he speaks about is found as a, a supreme example in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where it says in verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his love for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Remember in the Old Testament, love your neighbors yourself. In other words, don't do too, too much harm to him because you don't want harm done to, to you. Listen to how Jesus turns this around and actually says, listen, in, in the Old Testament, it's, it's kind of a little bit passive. You don't harm somebody else so you don't get harmed. But what Jesus says here is uh, something quite radical in chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So here's the key. It's kind of not, a, not about just your neighbor, but in this particular case, you lay down your life as Jesus demonstrated that to us. And he repeats it in John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. 
That word uh, that's found earlier in verse 16 of 1 John 3 and now in John 15, 13, same word in the original. It's the word tithemi, which means to make good use. It's got to do with a bridge builder. Lay down your life so others can see Christ in you. So they can come as a bridge builder metaphorically. Walk over you, not to abuse you, walk over you to get to Christ. That's the demonstration. But this, friends, is proactive. Not kind of don't harm somebody else so you don't get harmed. No, go out of your way to lay down your life for somebody else. That's genuine love. If we think about what Jesus did for you and for me in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That word demonstrates, he proved it, he showed us, he made an exhibition of it, that while we were still far from him, he laid down his life for you and for me. The least we can do is lay down our lives for somebody else. Friends, there's a different concept of love from the biblical perspective. We know there are four Greek words for love. And here, he's not talking about kind of this phileo love that, hey, high five, mate, I love you, God bless you. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about an agape love, a love that moves away from egocentric self to wanting to please the other person. And that's not difficult. It's a love that's manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a love that uh, is demonstrated in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered. Goodness, enough already! <laughs> and folks, this is so difficult if God is not in the picture. But we can see what this love is all about in action because John tells us the evidence of love if you really love me John says if you really love me then you'll demonstrate it so how do we show the world that we love them how are we able to demonstrate it he says in verse 17 and 18 if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity that word uh, in pity no compassion you're not actually moved, you actually go, well, you know what, tough luck, mate. Try harder next time. No. If you have no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions. In other words, through the busyness of life, let us be proactive. Let us take on work to actually serve one another because of who Christ demonstrated True love to be. Folk, he says, with actions is how we demonstrate in truth. That's the truth. That is the moral goodness. Uh, and that's how God sees it from his perspective. Now, how do we do that? Let me close off by some practical ways of doing it. Firstly, how we think about one another. But how we think about one another, when we think others as less than us and are not worthy to be served, then we actually insult God because God created that person just as he created you and me. And he says uh, in Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. And that word accept, uh, you take and you receive that person in kindness. 
You accept that person, even if you don't like them. You accept them. Because you could be reflecting Christ to them. Remember, it's a choice. Secondly, by how we speak about and to one another. You know, whoever said sticks and stones can break my bones, words can never harm me, was actually deaf or had no idea what they were talking about. Because people can break us down. And we can break others down. James talks about this little part of the body called the tongue. Boy, it can devour. can break. But we're also to encourage one another, Paul says. The word encourage, come alongside that person and breathe fresh heart into them. Give them life through the words you speak. So, by the way we think about one another, by the way we speak, about one another and to one another, and thirdly, by how we act toward one another. And he talks about love. Again, it's something that is proactive. So when the world sees our love, they become more receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I want to ask you, how's your love life? How's your love life? If you look at that next slide, 1 Corinthians, the one after that. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8, where you see those little dots there, why don't you put your name in there? Peter is patient. According to me, yes. According to my family, no. <laughs> Peter is kind. <clears throat> Peter does not envy. Peter does not boast. At the end, and you say, Lord, have mercy. Help me. Help me, please. Help me, please, because I am bad news, Lord. The only way I can become good news is if you come and penetrate my heart and my mind. Friends, we're about to have communion. This is a sign that you can start uh, fiddling with these funny contraptions. <laughs> You might be sitting here and saying, well, how do I love when my heart is broken? I'm not in no props, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> how can I love when my heart is broken? When I was a kid, I was hurt. When I was a teenager, I was broken. When I, uh, whatever part of my life, now that I'm an adult, perhaps... Uh, relationships that are not right. How can I love when my heart is broken? How can I love when there's something going on inside? You want me to reach out to others when I'm broken inside myself? Yes, I never said it. Jesus said it. And this is the best place to come to because He has come to heal the brokenhearted. It says in Luke chapter 4, verses 17 to 21, the scroll, the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and rolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for the sight of the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He has come, 
verse 20, to give back to those who have been bound. And friends, it says in verse 18, to heal the brokenhearted. And that word brokenhearted, Sintriva, means to break in pieces. There's some of you sitting here, some of us here today, whose hearts have not been just broken, but it feels like they're broken in pieces. In pieces. Somebody has come and really taken this heart of ours and shattered it. And now we are supposed to love our neighbor and love the guy that's unlovable. Are you kidding me? Yes. Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. To those people we hated, he's come to, you know, because they've harmed us, he's come to reconcile this whole, you know, uh, love back to normal. You know, it might be a friend. It might be a family member. It might be a, a spouse. But the love of God pushes us so much because we're engrossed in His love because it says in Jeremiah 31, 3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That word everlasting, always, continuous, perpetual. You cannot see the end of it. Doesn't just go around the earth and come and meet you just behind you if you look that way. No, you cannot see the end of it this way or that way because it's everlasting. It's come to heal the brokenhearted. No way that takes place at the foot of the cross where his blood was shed for you and for me and his body was given to reconcile us back to himself. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he said, this is my body that's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this as you remember that I've come to heal a broken heart. Same way he took the cup, new covenant in my blood. You no longer have to kind of say, not harm your neighbor, but you can now reach out just as Jesus reached out for you and for me. Let's pray and eat and drink together. Father, we thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed, the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, come, I pray, as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup. Come, Lord Jesus. And heal our broken hearts so we might be able to serve more effectively. That we might be able to love you and therefore love others. Come, Lord, through your body and your blood and reconcile us back to yourself and heal whatever is broken within. Come, please, Lord Jesus. Fill us with that everlasting love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. 
If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.